Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. All right, all right, all right. Downtown Cardiff, we're in the yards, walking up to the stadiums, absolutely bouncing. Absolutely tons of Scottish people here, but we're with some, uh, some Welsh lads as well. Feeling good. Honestly, the number of people that have said to me today we're going to win by miles is freaking me out, but we'll see how we go. How, how are you feeling about the game? Uh, apprehensive. You, got, you guys got hammered last week. I know. All right, don't rub it in. <laughs> what do you think the score is going to be? you got a sheep on your head. I know I have. It's good, isn't it? It's either a sheep or a dragon. It's dead. <laughs> it is, well, thank Christ, it is dead. What, what do you reckon score was today? I think it's a Welsh win. He's walking out to Millennium with three lads, daffodils all over their face. Um, really buzzing to be here. Atmosphere's great. Yeah. Are you calling yourself? Are you calling yourself Welsh with that accent? Yeah, I know. It's a typical English one, but Wales through and through. So you think Wales are going to win today? Definitely. Hundred percent chance. Twelve five to Wales. Twelve five. God, it sounds like a terrible game, though. Bloody hell. Twelve five. Are you sure? Uh, I think it's going to be a close game. Something like 20, 30, uh, 30 to twenty-eight. Two-point game. I think Wales will take the win, though. Home advantage. So when Scotland win by 20 points, where should I be going out? Where should oh, I be yeah, going out yeah. tonight? Uh, well, that's not going to happen, mate. 14 all with Scotty and Gary. How are you feeling about it, Scotty? Uh, apprehensive, I would say. It's not looking that good, is it, guy? I think it is looking good, actually. You think it's looking good? What have you seen that you like? How many all but opposing teams come down here at half-time and go in equal with you guys? So I think we can do. Uh, I think we can damage you in the second half. Am I meant to be Welsh in this situation? No, I, I think we're going to beat you in the second half. <laughs> I'm from Edinburgh. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think we'll beat the Welsh down here in the second half. How many points did you have before kick off? Not enough. What do, about, what do you think about Scotland so far? I think giving away too, too many penalties. I think I think this, this uh, a yellow card is got is written all over this game. Uh, yeah, it's too, too many penalties so far. It's, it's been it's been decided by by the scrum and uh, and the breakdown. I think, 
Just walking out there, Prince Palt, you know, Jesus Christ, man. Fellow, we just lost the battle on the ground. Obviously, the yellow for Finn. They can't, can't argue with that too much. Fuck's sake. I mean, oh, good Lord, that hope, man. That fucking kills. Jesus. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. The dream has died for another year. The Grand Slam lies in tatters in Cardiff as Scotland lose to Wales in their second match of the Six Nations. David, Matt and Alan back with you to talk all about it and ask where does that leave this Scotland team um, for the rest of the Six Nations and beyond. Alan, we had a day out in Cardiff at least. Have have you recovered? I honestly haven't. Still sort of day four of the hangover. Body's still sort of trying to fully recover. Haven't had Jaeger bombs for a while, and the body is fighting against that. Cardiff loves a Jaeger bomb. Every place you go, there's people. Yeah, haven't... Putting them in front of you. Haven't seen those people walking around with trays of Jaeger bombs for a long time. (laughs) It's moved on as well, because they've just got that little card machine sitting there, so they pre preloaded it up just asking for you to tap that's the downside of technology but no Phil I think it was half the hangover half the performance still trying to get over both and Matt you were sort of locked in pre-holiday quarantine um spending time on your own and watching Scotland not not great yeah it wasn't much fun not helped by the fact that I could see despite the result you guys were having and pretty much all my best friends actually were at the game apart from me um, so that's, that's interesting. No, no one mentioned. No one was like, "Oh, where's Matt?" That's funny. <laughs> that. Yeah, well, you could have had other things in your mind. You had Jaeger bombs to be to be sinking. There were Jaeger bombs to be sunk. Yeah, absolutely. And then Alan, a, a little bonus train journey with Finn Russell, who's heading back to London on the on the way home on Saturday night. It was quite good fun. Extremely unexpected and very delightful. What a, he was actually a, a really good guy. He was he was really good. He was like the DJ for that um, for that carriage, wasn't he? So a real mi- mix of like very popular tunes to quite sort of abstract kind of rogue tunes. I My favorite say. bit was when he was trying to get you to start a sing song to the to a song that you had clearly never heard before. I think it was maybe ten years beyond your peak, and you were like, "I have no idea what this is, Finn. What are you talking about?" But to be fair, my music knowledge as a bass is very low. So unless it's sort of like a fingers classic, I'm not bringing much to the party. Yeah. Well, Finn was bringing big licks on Sweet Caroline, at least, um, on his way to London. But that was, yeah, very, 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 very enjoyable. Sam Skinner was also there just taking, he was taking it an awful lot, an awful lot more easy, though. But um, so we're going to talk about the Scotland-Wales game and then touch a little bit on the URC Um and have a little bit of a discussion about what Scotland um, do from here. Um, if you are joining us for the first time, welcome along. You can also follow us on Twitter at ThistleRugbyPod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And um, everyone get over onto Scottish Rugby's number one newsletter on Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Um, it is Matt's Magna Carta every Monday morning, the best and the worst in Scottish rugby, all in your inbox by 9am. How bloody good. I mean, Alan, you and I have, have, have talked about it, sipping Jägerbombs um, on Saturday. Matt, what, what was your emotion watching the game on Saturday? Yeah, it was 
really disappointing at various stages of the match and none more so at the end. Um, obviously recovered from that dodgy start to, I think when we got going, we were the far better team. And that Darcy Graham try um, epitomised that. And then you had those two quick penalties from Finn. And I thought, right, okay. The, the fact that we are better is, is showing here. And then towards the end of the second half, momentum was was with Wales. And in the second half, we just completely imploded, like made so many mistakes, discipline all over the shot, um, kicking out of hand probably too much and inaccurately. And Wales won on his little battles. And you could sort of see, I think, that the writing was on the wall at that point and we weren't going to win the game. And from a, just, I think, a position of such high expectations going into the game and to have them dashed, it was, it was a really tough one to watch. I mean, Alan, in the stadium, it certainly felt that maybe at halftime we were, you know, it was very evenly balanced. But I don't know about you, I still kind of felt that we maybe just would sort it out and we'd, we'd win because when we had managed to get that phase play together, Darcy had scored that great try. It still felt that we had the makings of um, of winning the game. But then, as you say, that second half found that the, sort of the energy went out of the stadium and it just it gradually just felt inevitable, didn't it? Yeah, I think that um, general sort of frustration of the, the first half, but then also sort of the, the optimism was, to your point, there was sort of two or three moments in that first half where we were sort of pulling phases together and it felt like we were able to make not easy yards, but you know we weren't struggling to to um, get over the game line and and um, and obviously at once scored with them um, with Darcy Graham in the corner, and actually it was more Scotland's errors and mistakes that were leaving us in this position of drawing at half time, and I think we were fairly confidently confident, clearly incorrectly, that. Finn and Hoggy, we just and Price, we just kind of get it sorted in the second half, and actually we had the game plan and the players to sort of pull away. And I think you're right; it, it was a bit of a strange one, where compared to maybe the end of the the England game, where you felt Scotland could get back into it, that there did feel almost like an inevitability about it. And actually, there wasn't many moments in that second half where I thought Scotland were going to go and score score a try. Matt, how did how did it look on TV? I haven't had the um, I haven't got the the energy yet to to rewatch the game, and obviously it's difficult to sort of get a feel for the battle on the ground from inside the stadium. How, how did you think sort of Scotland lost lost that area? Yeah, I'm kind of the same versus last week when I was devouring all the content around Scotland and Team of the Week and stuff. I haven't. It's been difficult to to fully engage with it again. Um, I think the the main mistakes were our discipline let us down. Um, just a lot of really dumb penalties um, that just gave Wales easy points. And when you're away from home and and you let the the opposition get those sort of scores and allow the crowd to get on their back, it's 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 difficult to to halt that. Um, I felt that the Scotland lost, whereas last week, I think Scotland's kicking game was bang on the money. Lost by a lot of those battles. Um, 
you know, Hogg putting a few kicks out on the full. I don't think Price had his best game. Um, you know, things like Finn punting a restart out on the full. It's just they're they're kind of they're kind of coach killers. Um, and I think the the disappointing thing, which I think has almost been going on for a while now, is apart from the lead up to the to the try we scored, which is seventeen phases of really good rugby. Apart from that, we didn't really fire a shot. And it took until the last couple of minutes of the game when we were chasing it for Scotland to actually go through the phases and, and have a go. But at that point, it was disjointed and we were almost trying to attack from, from our own half. Um, and, you know, we, I think we said it for a while. In the England game, although we, we came through in the end and I did score a nice try, our, our phase play continuity wasn't quite there. And I'm, I'm actually struggling to think of a time when, when Scotland have produced that in in recent years so I think that was quite a key part and and just you know made doubly disappointed by the fact that when we did get going we were causing Wales a lot of issues it was hard to see from is that one of your fans giving you a toot Alan (laughs) yeah I know (laughs) yeah I know sorry about that it was hard to see from the stands how much the weather played an impact obviously you could see it was raining and there was a bit of wind when we were there but we were given how far back we were we were very heavily covered from the from the elements and i don't know how much that played into the specifically some of the handling errors or also kind of the 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 decision maybe not to play um as an attacking kind of brand of rugby as we thought they might do yeah i think you're probably right um and you know these things happen whereas last week i don't think we made many handling errors in probably quite similar conditions. We did make quite a few. Um, and unca- uncharacteristic mistakes, like Grant Gilkis dropping a couple of balls, for instance, things that just weren't happening last week. So, yeah, maybe being away from home is the thing that makes that a bit more difficult. So, so obviously, off the back of the Calcutta Cup win, um, Tooney decided to make five big changes. I think we talked about it. We thought he was maybe making changes from a from a position of strength. I mean, we are we're ending up talking an awful lot about the front row, which isn't our sort of forte during the Six Nations. But Matt, what, what did you make of that sort of front row switch um, and sort of its effectiveness this weekend? I think that Schumann had a really good game and was arguably the, the pick of our forwards. But I, I don't think the changes had the, the kind of impact that Townsend would have been looking for. And I think that you know, the, the reason that you, you pick Nell, presumably, is, is mainly due to the scrum. And once again, for whatever reason, we were okay, but we didn't get that, that dominance. Um, I, th- I thought Rambo was had a pretty good game. Um, but then I, the, the guys that came on, it just it didn't feel the right way around. It didn't like last week. Those guys, the other front rows, sub made a big impact. Whereas this week, it felt like I think pretty much all of Sutherland, Fagerson, and Turner came on, made mistakes, gave away penalties, and that that was something that the whole pack was, was guilty of. But I just it, it the experiment didn't quite seem to work for me. It felt a little bit like obviously Fagerson and Turner. I think felt like they needed to to make an impact and then potentially yeah. both rather than that being a positive that actually ended up being a little bit of a negative, both making kind of probably 
stupid errors in terms of giving away um, penalties. So I think that sort of dynamic just ultimately, obviously, just didn't work in terms of how I think Tooney was hoping in terms of, to your point, getting that set-piece dominance and then kind of having the impact of sort of Ferguson and Turner in that last sort of 30-minute period. And then our pal, Sam Skinner. I mean, we're always going to miss a player of Jamie Ritchie's quality. And it, we were sort of, again, talking last week that, you know, having this quality to come off the bench, guy like Sam Skinner. I mean, Matt, what what sort of impact did he have on the game and what sort of change did that have on, on the sort of the pack as a whole? I actually think he had a reasonably good game. I think he was pretty busy in defence, ball in hand, survived getting his head taken off by Payne Basham. I don't know if you can see that from the stand. That was such a rubbish decision. Not that it would have made a difference, but for the referees to say, oh, he's, he's trying to rap and not even a card, like, we didn't have the commentary, but it felt very... I had assumed when I saw the first replay that it was going to be, at a minimum, a yellow. So I was very surprised that there was no... Um, yeah. There was, there was only a penalty. He was, Skinner was actually roasted as well because in the, by the referee throughout. Because in the lead-up to the Welsh try, he was not anywhere near the ball and one of the Wales players pinning him down in the rock. And I, did, I appreciate it's difficult to see in real time, but in the replay, you can see he was trying to move and he pretty much had a knee on his chest. Um, no, I think he had a reasonably good game. But as you say, he's just, it, he, at times it looked like he was a second row playing six. And there's quite a big contrast with Richie, who's just a different player and can probably get through a bit more work. And with, with Watson still a bit quiet, it seems like Richie's the one who's really stepped up. So I think we we did miss him quite a lot. I think in the stadium, I I thought Skinner had had a really poor game, mainly to your point because he was obviously he ultimately is a sort of second row slash flanker, and our lineout was relatively scrappy, and we didn't seem to be mm. able to disrupt the Wales lineout at all. Um, but actually, I was having a look sort of post match and. You know, 19 tackles, none missed. Clearly, obviously, a pretty massive high work rate in defence. I feel like outside of the set piece, you probably did as much as could be expected. The other main change was um, Tua Pilotu coming in at 12. I mean, obviously, Sam Johnson going from starting against England to starting for Glasgow against Munster is a pretty significant drop. Do you think um, that sort of tactical change um, worked out, Matt? I thought he was pretty good, actually. I thought he had, with yeah. fairly limited possession, I thought he had a couple of good runs. I thought that he handled Nick Tonkins pretty well. And I, I think in in the lead-up to the only points we scored in the second, second half, the, the, the Russell penalty, he was the one that, that got us on the front foot. So I actually thought he was, he was pretty good. It's, I think the question is, Redpath looked quite decent when he came on. And... I think whether it's right or not, that there's a lot of people calling for him to play or just to have someone there as, as a proper second playmaker option outside Finn, which I, I understand the kind of logic behind. And I, I, I think he's a really good player. I'd like to see him in. And may, maybe he would take a little bit of the pressure off Finn and reduce the amount of mistakes he made. Maybe he felt like he was going to take on too much himself on the day. 
I guess the only sort of disappointment with that is you would think that with that axis of Price, Russell and Hogg, there's enough leadership and sort of game management now to be able to sort of take that on across sort of the three of them. And it, it does feel like actually all, all those three are sort of struggling out a little bit for form across the sort of first two games, kind of Finn's crossfield kicks and sort of the back end of that England game um, removed it. There, there does seem to be sort of a little bit lack of a, a plan or sort of taking, kind of taking the game by the scruff of the neck from that sort of what I would consider the you know the real sort of kind of game management access of Scotland. It kind, of, it kind of feels as if those maybe not Finn, but Hogg and, and Spice in particular are are maybe playing a little bit within themselves and maybe that suits that's just playing to the game plan that, that Townsend and Tandy want them to, to execute but I think it was on the offside line it was saying that Ali Price in the last four games for Scotland has sort of run just over 10 metres like no clean break attempts and I know that he's evolved as a player and he's, he's developed his, his basic scrum half play but it, it does kind of feel as if a lot of the attack at the moment is relying on Finn to do something special. And when that doesn't work, like at the weekend when he's slightly off the boil, we we don't have a have a way to to bring our exciting attack players into the game properly. You you sort of touched on tactics and, and sort of strategy. It feels that we didn't really fire a shot, as you say, we didn't manage to to use this sort of, you know, once in a generation type sort of backline flare players to to cut them open. Are we are we relying too much on this Steve Tandy sort of defence now? And we have we maybe swung, has the pendulum swung too far from the uh, the Japan match in the 2019 World Cup where we sort of learned that we can't just attack, attack, attack? You know, have we, have we now decided to relinquish too much ball? Do you, do you think, Matt? You, sh- you should be able to marry both of them, ideally. Um, but, but maybe if... We've moved. We clearly moved away from this. We want to play the fastest brand of rugby in the world, and and probably the emphasis has more been on on defence and being solid and being hard to beat, as Tandy puts it. And possibly that does infect the way that you go about your business with with ball in hand. Um, I mean, I, I have no problem with us playing a more solid game where we're constantly in the fight and. Look, at the end of the day, we played poorly, but we only lost by three points. And a day where a couple of more decisions go our way, we, we could win that. And you, you contrast that to we've gone down to the principality in recent, in recent years and got absolutely pumped. I lost by 20 points. It, it just feels as if maybe we're, we're content to soak up pressure and then hopefully we can strike and do something big and yeah, that's not a bad idea, I suppose, but maybe when it doesn't work, we just slightly run out of ideas and we run out of ways to, to break down defences, which is disappointing considering the players we can put out there. I guess especially with a game like Saturday when you've got potentially less ball than we on average used to and then you just start to make that sort of catalogue of mistakes just gives you sort of less chance to sort of <laughs> build up your own sort of attacking game sort of throughout the match. So there's a lot of, you know, in that second half, there was a couple of moments where we had the ball and, you know, either Hoggy went for sort of the 50-20 or, you know, Doohan dropped it and we were just very quickly 
just relinquishing kind of control of the ball and sort of momentum. So let's let's pick ourselves off the floor then, lads. Just a just a little bit. We've got the fallow week um, this week, um, and then France coming to Murrayfield. Matt, France have struggled coming to us in the last few years. We obviously managed to beat them last uh, last year. I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, where is this Scotland team now in the sort of the wider scheme of things? You know, it's one loss. Can you see us sort of rebounding and still putting ourselves in the mix for for a championship? Well, I, I hate to give it any more oxygen than it deserves, but this video that we shared about with Matt Williams and Rob Carney talking about Scotland and giving us a bit of a going over saying that we're a lot of chat. But Rob Carney at the end of it said, having said that, I could see them beating France. And I, I actually do agree with them on that point. Like, I think we've got a good record against them and we're probably the underdogs going into that game now rather than the favourites at home. And I think there will be a reaction from that from that Wales game. And look, if we beat France, we'll all be pretty happy. But at the same time, you kind of think, where have we moved on from four years ago where we could record these big one-off victories but then fail to back it up? And that's kind of been our story of the Six Nations, really, in recent years. So until we start winning away from home, dealing with the fact that we're we're favourites in some of these games, then I think we're with this bunch of players, I think we're we're pretty much um where we were. I don't think we've really moved on massively, which is we've gotten really no excuses, I don't think, in terms of injuries or or players in form, etc. So yeah, even if we win, I, I obviously will be happy, but at the same time in the, the bigger picture don't think that much will have changed. I suppose it's in a manner of the manner of victory. But then if we beat France, we've then got Italy away, and then we go to Ireland on the last day for a four win six nations, which is something we haven't had for a long time. But I'm getting ahead of myself. But also, steady on. But also <laughs> but I think it, I think it is fair, you know, like ultimately there's probably obviously the Grand Slam is the is the kind of Everest, but but actually we've never won the Six Nations. We have a very good record at home against France, although France are pretty incredible at the moment. You know, fundamentally, if we're able to beat France at home, then it's likely that we would have at least a shot, whatever the points calculation is, of going for a Six Nations win in Ireland. And I think ultimately that's got to be like a pretty massive motivation for for this Scotland team. Clearly, obviously, everyone wants the Grand Slam, but the chance of winning the Six Nations is fundamentally still there, right? And even though they've not played particularly well for probably um, 140 minutes of the 160 of the opening Six Nations, still got five points. And team's still probably the best we've had for the last 20 years. So I, I, I don't know. I kind of, obviously it was kind of disappointing, but, you know, there's still a lot to play for. Yeah, 100%. I think it's just that with that team, you know, if we if we are to, I think talk of Grand Slam is premature, but talk of winning the championship is reasonable. And you probably look at that fixture list and think that Wales team away from home is a winnable fixture. Like we're making life very difficult for ourselves. I agree with that. The Scottish way. 
Well, it's just uh, that that's probably going to be it for, for us this morning, lads. Bit of, bit of a quick one um, at the start of the day to wrap up the Wales game. We will be back, of course, next week um, to look forward to the France game with potentially our favourite Paris correspondent. Um, but we will come back to you on that one. Also going to be looking forward to um, the Scotland women's big World Cup qualifier, um, which is being played a week on Friday in Dubai. So we'll be doing some stuff around that. We've put in a bid to the SRU to speak to somebody. So if they don't deny us, we will hopefully have a chat with someone that's in camp there. In the meantime, keep up with us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. On Instagram, Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod, and sign up for Matt's newsletter. It goes out Monday mornings on Substack. That's Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. Um, so get on there and subscribe. But in uh, the meantime, enjoy the rest of the week, and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.